was going to get a beer actually for this, but then I realised it was half past four in the afternoon. So? I know, I know. I know. Go get beer. Yeah, you're it's right. It's still Christmas. Go no. and get a beer. All right. Okay. It's still Christmas till the sixth. <laughs> till the sixth. Is that because of the whole twelve days of Christmas? You're quite strict on that. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. Hang yeah. On. All decorations down by the sixth or yeah, on that day, I believe. Do you know how I know? Because my birthday's on the seventh. Go we go. <laughs> and every year I want the decorations still to be up. <laughs> Do you prefer that? Do you prefer to keep them up as opposed to like? It's jolly, isn't it? It's yeah, it's all jolly and yeah, merry and bright. So. I suppose so. <laughs> and then everybody gets blues usually on my birthday. <laughs> it's like, oh, Christmas is over. <laughs> That's what Immy's got. She's two days after you. Hang on, let me get yeah. let me get my beer. What flavour beer is it? It's a session pale ale from Aldi. I have to say, I do really like the designs of, of pale ales these days. Used to be, when I was a kid, that pale ale was sort of the old man's beer kind of thing, wasn't it, really? When you were, when, much, I, when I was now, a child. When I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but nowadays, they're so much cooler, everybody's drinking it. I think that's it, isn't it? I reckon they wanted to go after that extra 5% market share. So let's, let's just make them really cool designs and get all that lot interesting as well and you get people like me and you going ooh, ooh, I kind <laughs> of like cool. them but I really like it now <laughs> I do get swayed big time by design just period so do I because I don't drink beer I drink white wine I don't drink red wine but white wine I always go for like a Sauvignon Blanc or a Pinot Grigio but Sauvignon Blanc being my favorite and then I look for the best designed label that's it <laughs> That's exactly it. And then it's like, oh, it's really expensive, <laughs> but the label looks good. <laughs> so they, they must know that. The winemakers must know. If you really, really know your wine, if you're, if you're that into your wine, you're, you're just going to go for the wine. Yeah. But if you're kind <laughs> of like, no, I don't either. Absolutely not. It's just like I don't know my whiskies, but I would still yeah. buy a whiskey with a decent design. Yeah. Ah, anyway. You've been watching many films over Christmas? I've watched a few, not as many as I wanted to, because the stupid Christmas tree, I had no choice but to put it against the wall where I would normally project movies with uh, a fancy pants video projector you got me. So no sooner had I got completely hooked on the video projector and I said to myself, right, every film I watch now will be on the projector, that I had to get a Christmas tree. So now I have been thinking to myself, now, do I wait until the 12 days of Christmas are finished before I get rid of this stupid Christmas tree? Or do I just get rid of it early so I can start watching movies on the big wall again? I think people have started taking them down because a lot of people are about to work. I know, I could do. I like to have it, it's just a bit cheery, isn't it? I like to keep them as long as possible. Yeah, but you've got a good reason. Well, it's the day before my birthday. There you go. It's not on my birthday. Well, it's the day before. (laughs) Every year when I was little, I used to be like, can we not leave the the lights on for an extra day? No, (laughs) always had to come down on the sick. So no, so I haven't really. I haven't, and I haven't watched the, a film I really want to watch, which I think we might be talking about later on, is this new Pixar film. Yeah. What's it called? So, Soul, but that's one we would, are going to review for next week. That's it, which is really cool, because I've been desperate to see it, and I know a few others who have seen it, yeah. so I'm very curious about that one. So as of next week, we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to change our format a little bit, aren't we? We're going to do something old and something new. We are, yeah. Sounds like a wedding or something. <laughs> it does. We're still going to pick a film from one of our lists, but mm-hmm. we're also going to pick a film that's out on streaming and yep. review that. 
because let's face it, there ain't going to be no films in the cinema for another few months. Yeah, and it's true. weird that like, everyone like just keeps talking about it, don't we? I think yep. now Warner have already announced that their strategy now, at least I think for a lot of their kind of superhero films, is going to be a joint strategy of cinema release and VOD release, same day or a few days apart. So it's kind of here to stay. I think. And it's mm. going to be a really real challenge now to see what the cinemas do, how they react, mm. how they're going to, mm. how they're, what they're going to do to attract people to come and carry on watching films, I think. Yeah, so we've got the latest Wonder Woman film is out at the cinema, but many people can't go and watch it. So they're releasing it now on the 13th of January, I believe on Sky, Amazon, etc. So yeah, so that's to look forward to. But there's some great films that have been out there on, um, on Sky that's just been released recently. I mean, I watched Just Mercy with Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx and Brie Larson, who's Captain Marvel. And she's in a much more serious film. Michael Jordan plays a Harvard lawyer and protects these black men that are on death row and tries to fight for their case because they've been wrongly convicted, many of them. And it's incredible, actually, the story that's just behind that. Uh, So that's just mercy. Motherless Brooklyn. I haven't seen Edward Norton do anything for a long time and he's uh, directed and acting in this and Bruce Willis as well. Bit of a gangster kind of, of movie. So that was good fun. It's got Alec Baldwin and Willem Dafoe in it as well. And you know, I gave my top three last time for the Christmas movies. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed watching Home Alone 1 and 2 this Christmas season. And I didn't think I would um, enjoy it as much as I did. And I was obviously in that kind of mood. Absolutely loved it with Joe Pesci, Macaulay Culkin, Daniel Stern, John Hurd and Catherine O'Hara. So um, they're still out. So you can you can still watch it. And it's, it's still Christmas at the moment. So you can still watch it. Yeah, absolutely. There's some others that have come out as well on Netflix. Netflix. They're slightly more, slightly more niche or might get lost. But there's a film called Mank, which is getting by some people like rave five star reviews. Directed by David Fincher, starring Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, Charles Dance, and it is the story behind the writer of Citizen Kane and how that film came to be. It's black and white, typical kind of performance from Oldman, just throws himself into it. I think it's one of those films that you either love or you hate, purely because of the subject matter. And even though we've seen a lot of modern films in black and white recently, there's also Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is Chadwick Boseman's final film with Viola Davis out at the moment on Netflix. So those were the two films that I, I saw that were out that might be worth uh, worth a watch and also I think it might have been released at either at the cinema or on digital which I actually heard kind of quite good things about which was the Kevin Costner film Let's Him Go now it's a bit of a marmite because some people have given it two stars but I know other critics have actually thought it was a very good film so if you like Kev is, you that, like a on, bit of Kev. is that on Empire two stars yeah that's right that was on Empire yeah. but I do know that you know Mark Commode for example thought it, mm. it was a good watch I mean you know what you're going to get with Costner I don't know where that is streaming but who knows, maybe you can find that somewhere. But it's just going to be like this from now on in, isn't it, really, in terms of releases on VOD? So I think it would be really nice to kind of mix them up. And cool. Let Me Go is on to rent on Amazon Prime. Oh, there you go. Okay. But yeah, no, I know a lot of people have got totally kind of caught up in more TV series and stuff on Disney with Mandalorian, Queen's Gambit and all the crown, all this kind of uh, stuff. But uh, I think it is going to slowly TV turn. Programs. Yeah, it's going to slowly yeah. turn to movies, I think. Played a lot of games as well over Christmas, did you? 
Well, you know, I, I played a few, and not surprisingly, I got given a movie game, which oh, I haven't. You? Hang on, I should really, I should really go. No, I've got, I've got, got one got, for you. Oh, have you? Okay, do your go. movie game next week, yeah? All right, do okay. Movie, yeah. So this week, we got a game called Five Seconds from the Courtenages. Thank you very much. And it's really good fun, really good family game. You basically have to give three right answers in five seconds. If some of the questions are like, you know, name something that's green, for example, and you don't have to turn this spiralling time counter, these ball bearings go down the spiral and, and that takes five seconds and then you have to answer within that time. Right, so, come on then. So five seconds. So ready? Yep. Rob. What? Rob? No. Oh. <laughs> Rob, you're supposed okay. to say yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, Sarah. <laughs> Ready? Yes. Yes, Sarah. <laughs> name three. <laughs> name three actors or characters with Bruce as their first name. Bruce Willis. Oh, uh, uh, Bruce Lee and Bruce Springsteen. No, that's not right. Yeah, we could have Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, that's Can fine. I? That's three yeah, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. What, what, how, how do I have Bruce Springsteen? It's got to be an actor or a character. No, okay. He's a, he's a musician, but he performed in uh, Philadelphia, wasn't he? Yes, that's right. That's <laughs> there right. you go. And there was even a film. There was a film Sound on him recently. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So I had Bruce Lee, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Willis, Bruce Forsyth. I guess you can have Bruce Nolan from Bruce Almighty. Okay. Yeah, Brucey babies. Right. Next one. Oh Ready? Just one more. Really? Okay. One more. Okay. Just one more. Name three films with a colour in it. Oh, three... Oh, God. The Green Mile, uh, The Red October, and uh, Black Mass. Uh, oh, that was close. You were so close. <sighs> so I have Colour Purple, yeah. Deep Blue Sea, Green Book. Yeah. The Green Mile, you got um, Greenland, The Blue Lagoon, <laughs> an old classic from the 80s, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, it's quite good fun. You go around this board and everything. So good for good for all the family. All right. So anyway, next... should we go on to our film choices? <laughs> yeah, and then next week we'll do. It's a movie, so you can Another... challenge me. Okay, cool, cool. Right. So this week was well, there was two Christmas films that were are kind of number ones. The Snowman, which is my number one, purely out of tradition, which I was kind of, it, it did make me chuckle that I said to the kids, come on, let's watch The Snowman. And then in about 25 minutes, it finished. And I completely forgot how short it was, which is actually a bit of a result. And then the other one was When Harry Met Sally. So shall I go first? Yeah, go for The Snowman. snowman. So this was 1982, based on the book by Raymond Briggs. It's Christmas Eve. It's this beautiful little cottage in the middle of nowhere. It's in Brighton. In Brighton. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sarah. And this boy, he goes outside, makes a snowman, puts a scarf on him and a hat on him and the usual thing, carrot, pieces of coal for eyes, and the snowman comes to life. And so what we get is the snowman becomes his kind of friend, comes into his house, they have a play in the house, and then go back outside and the snowman grabs the boy's hand and they're running across his garden and suddenly the snowman takes off, flies across the fields into this kind of other land where I presume is the land of the snowman and Father Christmas is there and it's all jolly and the boy lands and he has a dance and a bit of a party. And then the snowman flies back and, bless him, when he wakes up the next day... He looks outside and the snowman has, spoiler alert, has died. <laughs> <It's> died. <laughs> <laughs> He's 
melted away. Well, I know, but it's the same thing in his mind. I mean, it's gone. I mean, he's gone. Poor boy's grieving. Yes, the snowman melts. Um, yeah, it's a sorry ending. It's it is super, sad super sad. That's what my children you said. Know what? They, like, they, said, they said, is that it? Is that, is yeah. that the ending? What they should have done is he should have landed on top of a peak where it's snow-capped peak and just stayed there. And then he could visit him now and then. Yeah, is Raymond Briggs still alive? There's there's chance for a new version. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he is, yeah. Now, when I watched this, I rented this off Amazon Prime, I think. And maybe I missed the beginning because I don't remember seeing this intro, which actually stars, well, features the author, Raymond Briggs, kind of walking up this snowy field. And he kind of sets the scene of, you know, how the film starts because it's based on his Christmas memories. And I don't think that even featured in the version I watched, as in there wasn't even an intro version, because I'm aware that there was a, there's other versions with David Bowie doing his mm. intro. See, I've only watched the Raymond Briggs intro and the first time I've ever seen the David Bowie version now how that's come about is because when they released it for the US this film the US wanted to have somebody that was famous to sell the film a bit more so they brought in David Bowie to do the second introduction so Raymond Briggs was the first one you've obviously watched the first one I've watched the second one because when I watched it on I think it was on channel four on demand of sky they showed the David Bowie one which is the US one and then they did I think it's 20th anniversary they did a third version which has got Mel Smith as Father Christmas sat in his living room and, and saying when how he remembered the snowman etc so they've actually had three intros that's right and of course it's known for the song walking in the air by Ada jones although of course and i didn't realize this why would you unless you're a diehard snowman fan that it wasn't actually Ada jones singing in i know i know it was uh saint paul's chorister um peter orty wasn't it? of course it was and, and it I, was... don't you think he's been denied a fame <laughs> i feel so sorry for this guy this this man now where is he now He's not as famous as Ella Jones, let's just say that. Because he released it for an advert for a popular... Ella Jones did, yes. Retail, retail which, store. Which happens to be not around anymore <laughs> as well. So what was it for? Do you remember? Toys, Toys R Us. Was it? Okay, mm. Toys R Us. Yeah, the reason for Ella Jones being famous is no longer around anymore. So it's, yeah. He's still got songs of praise in his own radio show. I think I know, he's, done, but, all, he's but, done all right. Could, yeah, but Peter Orty could have done that. I know. Maybe he should have Peter as a kind of a sidekick on his radio mm. show or get yeah. him some work. I think it was three years later that Alla Jones released it as, 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 his, um, as the ad. But I remember also, I saw Alla Jones. Get this, I went to watch The Snowman at the West End and my sister got Alla Jones' autograph because he was there singing and, and uh, was signing autographs at the time. There you go. So, that's, uh, a, that's a valuable one. Frame that one. <laughs> yeah. um, but... I think, as I said at the beginning, I, and again, it's like with all these films, I hadn't seen this for actually a very long time, but it is still, the animation, I think, holds up. I just thought mm. it has a real charm. It's very unique, isn't it? It does feel almost like a a book illustration that's kind of come to life in this uh, animation. But yeah, watching it again, I must admit, <laughs> I must admit... The ending is pretty, yeah, it's, pretty, it's yeah. pretty brutal, especially given it's Christmas as well. This poor child. I know, devastated. <laughs> but poor it was... James, it's James. James, that's right. So I don't think now having watched it, it would be my number one because I was pretty mm. shocked to realise how short it was. So 
I would probably replace it with something else. It, it was down, it, on IMDb, it's down as TV movie. So, because mm. of course it was released, it was on TV, obviously, originally. It wasn't like yeah. in the cinemas. It was on, and it never has been in the cinema, I'm assuming. Uh, no, it hasn't been at cinema. It was Channel 4. I think it was there, one of their first big breaks for them to launch some animation. I actually got into it. I did watch the making of the snowman and the snow dog and I watched the the making of the snowman as well. But they weren't as descriptive how much work had gone into the snowman. Apparently 2,000 pieces of paper and 3,000 pencils were used for snowman and the snow dog. Now, can you imagine how many trees they were destroyed doing this film? But at the same time, it's a, it's a masterpiece. It really is. It, every single frame you could put on your wall and could be a piece yeah. of art. There's a few continuity errors that they made and they in the making of the film they put their hands up and said, Yeah, we made some continuity errors. I think that when they when they when jumped on the motorbike, I think the snowman was getting a hot leg one minute and then and was starting to get worried it was going to melt his leg off and then next minute he was absolutely fine but there was a couple of things like that what was really interesting is that just around Christmas when I watched this film I I jumped onto IMDB and and there's a new post on there from Duncan Jones who's David Bowie's son said that he found David Bowie's scarf from the snowman on 23rd of December this just last year and apparently it had been knitted by a woman on the encounters team and when she visited the set she gave the scarf to Bowie and he wanted to keep it after the shooting to give it to his son and they literally just found it just recently I thought that was really really nice but yeah that I mean obviously that's the second edition of the of the snowman it is a masterpiece in its day it was groundbreaking in its day today I think children do want to see more colorful more crisp images because no there's no talking at all in it this literally just one song I think uh, walking in the air and Japan apparently love the snowman They've got loads of products. They even have chicken nuggets with the snowman on <laughs> their designs. So you're talking, we were talking about beer designs earlier. Imagine having a, a snowman beer because that's that, that's probably what they have in Japan. But it's got a lot of charm. It's simple. It's very innocent. It's magical. There's no stresses. And, uh, you know, kids are being just kids in it, in this film. I love the fact that it's it's slightly different area location in England and that it was looking around, I think, Sussex and sort of Brighton area that's why I said Brighton earlier um, I think it is in a sort of farm or countryside outside Brighton that this was shot that's where James is supposed to live James is also the name of the, the character in the animation but there wasn't a name for the child in the book and James is named after one of the main animator's boyfriends who she went on further on to to marry so that was another factoid for you but yeah it's just very sad at the end and yeah I really wish they just Father Christmas had taken them on the sleigh and taken them to a, a snow-peaked Derbyshire or something like that and <laughs> left him on there and, and, he, and he can live longer. It's got quite a good rating, 8.2 on IMDb. And there's the other film that we're going to talk about later that is is on a par with that at the moment. So, yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic. When I was a kid, it was on everything, pencil cases to to notebooks to pencils and mainly stationery. I'm going through the list there. (laughs) Going through the stationery list. (laughs) Uh, Probably on biscuit boxes and everything, really. And they made a lot of money from it as well. I think it's much better than what they did with the Father Christmas and that followed and and Snowman and the Snow Dog. I know the book wasn't as good as Fungus the Bogeyman, which is what Raymond Briggs is more famous for in those days, back in the 80s. And as I said, it was groundbreaking in the day. I'm going to give it eight out of ten. I do really enjoy it. It's not my favourite Christmas movie, I'm going to say, but... 
it's definitely one for Christmas. It's a definite strong Christmas film and it gets you in that sort of warm, cosy mood. Even though it's so cold to watch, it gets you in that sort of Christmas spirit, really. Eight out of ten for me. I would probably give it... I'd probably give it eight and a half, purely just because the animation. And also, I do have a soft spot for animations where there's no dialogue, because I just think they're a lot harder to pull off in terms of trying to draw you in. And as you say, it's a shame in some ways. You're right. Children probably aren't used to seeing this kind of animation. And yet it still stands up today, I think, just in terms of the style of it. And yet it is sad. You wouldn't get that kind of ending today, I don't think. I mean, I like the fact in some ways that it has that ending, just because, again, because it makes it different, probably makes it more memorable. Mm. And, Mm. you know, it's not like... They kind of, once they get away with it, it's not the right phrase. It's not so brutal in the fact that someone, I know I said the snowman dies, obviously the snowman melts. It's not like someone physically dies. It's what every child knows happens to a snowman. It melts. That's what happens. Every child who's Mm. ever built a snowman sees that happen. I think it's just the fact that there's this beautiful friendship and this, this amazing, fantastical, Christmassy story experience that they have, and no sooner that they've had it, and the boy has this amazing kind of friend, that it's suddenly just all over. <laughs> there's not like a, there's not like a gradual ending to this. It's just he wakes up one morning, looks outside. Oh, the snowman's kind of melted, and and that's kind yeah, of yeah. But it's but, sad. But I mean, when when you make a when I ever I've made a snowman, even as an adult. <laughs> It is sad when you see it disappearing and melting away and like, oh, it's disappearing and that's the end of that. That was a happy moment. Yeah. uh, It's a memory. It's a good positive memory that he's had and that will go on with his scarf. Yeah. We'll always have the scarf and that. Yeah, anyway. so, so for anyway, for that reason, yeah, eight and a half. Both good scores still. Very good yeah. scores. So anyway, come on then. When Harry met Harry met Sally. Cool. I've got a quiz for you first though. Okay, go on then. Can I just say something with Harry Met Sally? I mean, is it a Christmas movie? Is it? You said it was maybe a New Year kind of New Year it's movie. It's between Christmas and New Year. It's always shown. Now, can you believe it? Okay. It's always shown yeah. between Christmas and New Year. Most years it is. But? But this year, of course, it's not shown on streaming on television. <laughs> you have to rent it. I was very, very cross with all the network channels. Fortunately, I had a DVD. I've got the DVD of it. But it's, yeah, I was really gutted. Yeah, I forgot that there was even a Christmas New Year connection to this. But anyway, I'll really? leave it. Yeah, I, I've, well, I've only seen it once. I've only ever seen this film once. And I don't think it was at the cinema. Do, but you, do you watched wanna... it again recently, yeah? Only for this. But you yeah. saw the Christmas trees, plugging the Christmas tree to... Yeah, no, no. Having uh, watched it now, I, I can see... Uh, I can see. And then the, more of a New Year influence. It's yeah. m- usually around New Year. Yeah. If Die Hard is a Christmas film, then so is Harry Met Sally, as far as I can. Yeah. I was going to ask you, actually, what makes a Christmas film? Does it have to just have, like, a Christmas tree? One shot? A, a Wonderful Life? I don't think that's a Christmas film. Oh, wow. Oh, it's exactly the same. Thing. Well, yes, but it culminates in a Christmas scene. Yeah, but so does when Harry met Sally. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, that's what I'm saying. If Die Hard is a Christmas film, and I think it probably is, I think you have to have a Christmas song in there, which Die Hard does at the end, and Harry met Sally. I'm sure, yeah, has, has Harry Connick Jr. Oh, Harry Connick Jr. doing some Christmas seasonal type kind of festive track. And you have to have some shots in there to indicate we are around the Christmas time, which, like you say, Harry Metz, you do get that. It just so happens that the climax of the film is New Year. It's in that period, that area. Anyway, (laughs) I get really digressing here. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. 
back to five seconds game. Oh, yeah. I forgot there was a quiz. Ready? Okay, go on. Ready? Yeah. All right. Give me three quotes from oh, when Harry met God. Sally. I'll have, I'll have what she's having. Oh, I mean. Oh, no, that's terrible. Can you give me some? I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. Pecan pie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, men have never been friends with women. Hey, everybody, 10 seconds until New Year. Um, it's so nice when you can sit with someone and have not have to talk. Most women at one time or another faked have it. faked it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, oh, that's the time of landing on the floor. But, yeah, it's got some quite a few good quotes in there, I have to say. Yeah, no, it has. All of the dialogue in this is amazing. It's Quite the timing, I think, as well, when they're delivered. I think it's perfect. So it's released in 1989, directed by Rob Reiner, known for Stand By Me, Misery, A Few Good Men, just to name a few, and written by Nora Ephron. No relation to Zac Ephron. I did look it <laughs> up. <laughs> and she's known for writing Silkwood, Sleepless in Seattle, and You've Got Mail, etc. which obviously there's somebody, there's a connection in this film to, to those as well. So I chose When Harry Met Sally because usually, as I mentioned, it's, it's shown between Christmas and New, and New Year. The first time I saw this film was a group of friends as a teenager, and I think it was the same outing to the cinema when I requested battered cockporn at the refreshment counter. I think it was that that very film. How <laughs> faithful uh, day. A battered cockporn refreshment counter um, experience. And I remember coming out of the film just sort of raving about it, and just I just loved the comedy. And I loved seeing the sweet moments when the couples during the film would say how they met. And, and apparently they're true stories, but acted by different people, of course. And Reiner collected those stories, basically. So I would say it's actually was one of my favourite films for some time, uh, along with Big, which I've mentioned before a couple of weeks back. And I just love watching Meg Ryan films. I think she's great in films. She's got a certain energy and those sparkly eyes and she ejects positivity, I think. And that's what I, I really like watching her films. And obviously she's performed in Nora Ephron films, such as, you know, Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. But interestingly, both of those were with Tom Hanks. And for this film, it's Billy Crystal that plays plays Harry Burns and they are basically Harry and Sally Albright have a very up and down relationship they hate each other one minute they become friends and then hate each other and then fall in love Harry swears by that men can never have women as friends at the start of their getting to know each other scenario if they have some intimacies that that will ruin relationship does it or, or does it not is the question really during this film the film starts with Sally giving Harry a ride to, to New York after the graduation at the University of Chicago. Sally knows how Harry's girlfriend at the time. The first part, Harry doesn't really stop talking. He questions her all the time, asking to give life story. They disagree a lot. He's just generally quite annoying, really, to be honest. And I think she's quite a quiet person who's sort of disagreeing with everything she, he's really got to say. Then they see each other a few years later when she's with Joe and Harry is engaged to Helen. And again, they clash and they go on this flight to somewhere. And then five years later, again, they happen to bump into each other. This time they're separated from their partners and then they start to get to know each other. It's a very sweet, bitter and sweet uh, relationship they have. And I just think it's funny. And as I said, the timing, it's hilarious. And yeah, it's it's well written, well directed. And interestingly, there's elements of Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner in the script as the characters so as Harry met Sal as Harry and Sally so I think it's very personal to them as well but Rob you, you know I've 
I could ask you many questions related to this film, but I'm going to ask you first, what do you think of it? I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. And um, again, it was one of those ones that I saw ages ago. And so I knew it was good, but I don't know, maybe at the time I I didn't rate it particularly highly, maybe because I just saw it as a rom-com. But what stood out for me right from the start was the script I just think is amazing. Every single piece of dialogue is just completely on the money. There's nothing cheesy about it at all. I love the fact that, you know, we talked about the 10 things I hate about you, which one of our listeners pointed out was obviously because it was based on Taming of the Shrew and me making the point that you know what's going to happen. But of course, you're going to know what's going to happen because it's a blueprint of Taming of the Shrew. But my point was that often with rom-coms, you kind of know what the ending's going to be and therefore it's about how you get there. What I loved about this mm. film is that you you assumed that they're probably going to get together, but it wasn't always straightforward that they would but the big difference for me is is that didn't matter is everything that happened building up to the climax of the film was just kind of unpredictable it was interesting it it addressed some proper themes things that do happen in relationships i love the characters it's an interesting comment that um, Efron said about the film. It said it had no safety net. The film entirely depends upon you caring about these two people. You know, there's not there's not really a plot. And it's so true that there isn't really a plot. I mean, right at the beginning of the film, and this is the other thing I like about it, the very beginning of the film, Biddy Crystal, Harry, says that men and women can never be friends if they have sex. It's as simple as that. As soon as you hear that, it resonates with obviously with so many people because we've all kind of been there or we've all we all kind of know that is something interesting to at least discuss, as it were. And so, you know, right from the start, <laughs> OK, well, that, that's basically what happens. But it doesn't matter that that's what happens, because I just say everything that you go through, I, I think anyway, was just so, so well done. And I honestly don't think I've seen a film where it's just story after story it's dialogue after dialogue it's almost like even when those main conversations that harry has with sally so often it's one of them almost recounting a story or it's them recounting their opinion on something which is based on something it's almost like lots and lots of vignettes that are woven together but it's just so on the money in terms of the writing it looks beautiful the the setting is fantastic the performances I mean, I, I thought it was really well done as well that they started this in their in the university campus in the 1970s with Meg Ryan with, you know, like a Farrah Fawcett wig. <laughs> and Billy Crystal's kind of hair was more kind full of... Full on. Yeah. Full on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was only when they moved forward to the next decade or whatever it was, five years later, I think it was, and Billy Crystal's hair has immediately gone to what maybe we more traditionally know him now as, as a kind of very tight I remember thinking that was pretty cool that the way they showed the aging I, I thought specifically of Billy Crystal was done very very well and yeah Meg Ryan is just Meg Ryan it, these films that she churned out 
she's just perfect in them. And I also like the supporting characters. It, it, I, I didn't, I know this is ridiculous, but I didn't realise for quite some time, probably until half an hour into the film, even though I saw her name on the pre-roll credits at the beginning of the film, that it was Carrie Fisher playing Marie. She looks so, you know, it was a period of her career that I didn't, you know, I didn't recognise her at all. Yeah. And obviously Bruno Kirby, who we saw him in another film we, we reviewed, Good Morning Vietnam. I was going to say this is kind of a two-hander, isn't it, this film? But you've got two other characters. There's a very famous scene which took ages to shoot when you've got Marie and Jess and when they're together and they're in bed and um, Marie is on the phone to Sally. And then whilst she's talking to Sally, Harry calls Jess and the, the screen splits four ways and you get this conversation. And interestingly, that was filmed exactly as we see it they were all in set mm-hmm. on separate sets but on the same sound stage i think they have to do it something like 51 times or 61 times yeah and i think about that can you imagine having to do that oh, many no, yeah. takes of such a complex scene um i like the yeah. fact that and it's not surprising with billy crystal that there was some improv in there from him there was the line when he says towards the end when I realized I wanted to spend the rest of my life with someone, I wanted the rest of my life to start now. That was his yeah. line when he points uh, at Meg Ryan's little crinkle, you know, on her forehead. You know, that was his. That was all improv. Interesting that it was Meg Ryan who came up with the idea of the fake orgasm, which they, which obviously they ran with. You wouldn't know this until you read about it, but the lady who says I'll have what she's having is Rob Reiner's mum. So there's lots of lovely little pieces of of this when you delve into it. But I, I just, it's a bit like, this had a very similar impact to me as Big did. I have to be honest. It had that mm-hmm. same, and it's interesting that you said that Big, this is like one of your favourite films, a bit like Big. I was thinking, yeah. oh, it's interesting you say that because I had, I was completely bowled over watching this again, I must admit. And I I could imagine I I would easily watch this again and again. And again, I'm not a massive fan of rom-coms at all. I think I only find them interesting when when they are interesting. And I think the fact you've got a complete cynic in Harry, who eventually, obviously, if you like, kind of succumbs. And you've got the opposite in in Sally. And you kind of like, I don't think this is going to work. Is it going to work? Isn't it going to work? And I think that runs throughout the whole thing. And it's almost like they live the whole film once they both meet and they're both separated. And you know what's that? You know what they're both thinking. Mm. They're both thinking, yeah. "I want to get together <laughs> with the other person." You yeah. know, the audience know it. They both know yeah. it. They're not saying it. But it's because of what he said early on in their relationship. That's what the the blocker was. And then it did kind of ruin it. Yeah, (laughs) well, that's it. It it did kind of ruin it. Someone pointed out to me that, um, that in the last scene... It's another nice touch in the film, isn't it? That when they do these interviews with these couples um, and they kind of scatter them into into film, you know, they're like set interviews with a, with a couple basically recounting how they got together, how they met. But they came across yeah. as this really nice way of breaking up the film. And then at the very end of the film, you, you have Harry and Sally mm. giving their interview, which is the way I think the film ends. But someone pointed out that Sally isn't wearing a, a wedding ring. Oh, didn't spot that. But I, w- I did find unusual is that they were interviewing much older couples. They should have slipped in a younger, slightly younger or similar age couple to them because it looked very unusual that then a young couple were being interviewed at the end. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. Mm. I, another, and this isn't a gripe, but for me, Sally came across as someone who was 
I don't know. She didn't come across to me as the kind of person who would decide in a restaurant with lots of people around her that she was going to sit there and take centre stage and fake an orgasm. She didn't strike me as the kind of character who was that outgoing and extroverted Mm. to even do something like that. I mean, having said that, that I'm not going to do that, by the way, if that's what you're asking. Can you fake it? That's where where this whole thing was where this whole thing was going. No chance. I want to move on now. Let's just do the rating. (laughs) Everyone's just switching off now. Well, if that's not going, what's the point? No, but that that was like, but that's a proper mind. I mean, I thought about that a bit more. And, And as the film goes on, she becomes. It's almost like as the film goes on, she becomes more unhinged as well. You know what I mean? She she kind of unravels as you get more under her skin Mm, because mm. of the frustration she has with harry and so because of that i was thinking well maybe she she could have done that it's just that we didn't know her well enough to know that she could have done that and maybe she just did that purely out of wanting to show harry up in it in a strange way yeah i i i i I really liked it yeah i love the music as well i mean you mentioned harry connett jr already um and he did a majority of the music there was also let's call the whole thing off when they're on their journey from chicago to new york that was done, I believe, by Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. And yeah, it's just, it's got a kind of jazzy feel, hasn't it, to it, the music. I don't know whether it's aged at all, the film. I don't really think it's aged that much, to be honest, because you see it going through the ages. And I do find it quite clever how they've done that with the hair and makeup. It does plod along a little a little bit in places. Um, it's one hour 32. I actually thought it was longer than that. And that's probably because I, I think on occasions I felt it's plodded because there is no real major storyline to it. But it's very sweet, very well written. I love the characters in this film. I'm, I'm I mean, I do like Billy Crystal as well. I mean, I remember watching City Slickers as well just after this and Bruno Kirby in that film with him. And the films that we mentioned with Meg Ryan were like 10 years later. Some of them, she formed quite a strong relationship, obviously, with Nora Ephron during the making of this film. And it's it's sad. There's quite a few losses in this film. So we've got Nora Ephron herself passed away. Carrie Fisher, obviously, played Marie. Bruno Kirby, Jess. Even Amanda, Harry's first girlfriend, died quite young, uh, age of 50. Uh, Michelle Nicastro, so she's no longer with us. And Estelle Reiner, who's the mum of Rob Reiner. And you've already mentioned the memorable line. Uh, I didn't realise that was her, actually, in that. So I know it's about, how long ago now? Probably 31 years. So it's quite, I mean, it's quite a while ago. And some of these people were were ageing at that point anyway. But it's, yeah, quite shocking that quite a few people are no longer with us. I, I, I love it. It's still high up there with one of my top films, I think. But, uh, yeah, what are you going to rate it then? I think... I think it's going to have to be 10. Oh, really? Wow. I know. Okay. I know. What I've been thinking over the last few days, like what is the reason why, what What are the faults, for me anyway, like what are mm-hmm. the faults to it in terms of what I would give a 10 as a favourite film? Mm. And I genuinely can't find anything with it because, like I say, the script is so so good. Performances are so good. The idea of kind of basically what the whole romantic comedy subject is all about is interesting and yeah i I actually found it didn't plod i mean i i like the fact that it so you know an hour hour and a half these days Uh, that's that's, that's a quick film isn't it 
So it's just very, very, very well put together. I didn't realise that uh, Nora Ephron, she wrote this. I didn't realise that she wrote and then went on to direct as well as writing uh, Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. It'll be interesting now, having watched When Harry Met Sally and thinking so highly of it, you know, if I then watch Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail, whether I just find that those are, I don't know, inferior. I don't know. It's well-written, got a huge amount of charm it still gives me sort of that warm sort of fuzzy feeling when i watch it and it, it yeah it's it's up there definitely I, I was going to give it nine and a half but then i kind of been thinking i gave lion 10 i gave to- toy story 10 and they're not 100 percent perfect so i am going to agree with you i'm going to give it 10 out of 10 awesome well. brilliant i'm so pleased <laughs> we, can yeah. both, we can both agree on a 10 out of 10 that hasn't Yay. happened yet that's an awesome yes, it has. Toy Story. Oh. Toy Story. Toy, Toy Story. Okay. Live yeah. action. Hasn't happened with a live action film. No, no. But it, it's, yeah, it's it's really up there and it's a really good watch. The great thing it. about it, I know this sounds weird, it doesn't feel like a romantic comedy. This just feels like a really good film that happens to involve a kind of romance and happens to be funny. I almost feel it does it a disservice to say, you know, to almost label it as a rom-com, even though it is. Yeah, it's it is it is really good. And actually, when I'm thinking about trying to write a script, I think along those lines with Harry Met Sally is is the kind of theme that I would go for. Really good fun and um, a lovely, lovely film. It's definitely a New Year film. <laughs> Absolutely, and <laughs> also it's it's, it's quite incredible that the whole film was just dreamt up based on some stories that Rob Reiner told. Um, Efron about because he, yeah because he was going through a divorce and breakup at the time as well yeah and Efron yeah. brought her you know brought her kind of neurosis yeah. into so, it as well. yeah so what yeah because she is very much she's the person that orders something and has to have something on the side that's right she's very <laughs> very picky about yeah. about the yeah. way she orders and I think that's what's so lovely about it there's not like a huge point to this film it's just two people and you just have to like them you have to mm-hmm. if you don't like them don't get on with them if you're not interested in what they're saying mm-hmm. It's just about two people who talking <laughs> for, for, for the whole for the whole but film, really. I, yeah, I know he had blibs quite a lot. Billy Crystal had blibs quite a lot, but there are certain lines that are just. How would you remember some of the stuff? And he rattles them off really, really quickly as well. And you're just like going, "Wow, I don't know how somebody can remember that line." Yeah. He he's he is a bit of a genius, I think, and he's he's done the Oscars and he's he's a comedian himself, and he's he's done a lot of writing as well. But he he's a, he's a genius, I think, in the comedy comment rom com world. That's right. And I think a lot of people think of, if you think of someone like Aaron Sorkin, who is kind of known for this fast dialogue, this gripping dialogue, that that's his stamp. For me, this is just like that. It's Mm. just just so well done. So I would say Mm. anyone who hasn't seen Harry Met Sally, even if you're not into rom-coms, you should definitely watch it Mm. because purely just on that level, it's just so well done. Yeah, apparently Tom Hanks was offered the role. I know, um, and he didn't. It. And he didn't. He thought it was too light. Yeah, and it's too light. Thinking, it's funny I think that it's got more meat in it than than you've got Mel and Sleepers in Seattle. To be well, honest, well, it's funny how he didn't pass yeah. up the second yeah. opportunity to do yes. a to do a yes. film with Meg Ryan. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Excellent. Right, right so we're going to pick one old film and renounce a new film that we'll to watch for this week. Okay, so Sarah's going to pick off my list as the one film, the one oldie for this week. So genre is crime. Crime, okay. 
So I've got 15. I will go for number five, please. Oh, it's Pulp Fiction. Oh, fantastic. This obviously is Tarantino. This was his second film, wasn't it, after Reservoir Dogs? So the lives of two mob hitmen, a boxer, a gangster, his wife, and a pair of diner bandits intertwine in four tales of violence and redemption. Okay, it is to rent or buy at the moment on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Rakuten, YouTube, etc., etc., and Sky as well. But do take a look at these anyway. You might be able to get a freebie when you happen to watch it as well. That's right. And this stars Tim Roth, John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Bruce Willis, Rosanna Arquette, Uma Thurman, Christopher it's a classic. It's a, yeah, it is, isn't it? It is definitely... A classic. A great introduction to Tarantino. Yeah. So that's the old film. So the new film, which is causing quite a stir at the moment, is a film called Soul. It's currently on Disney Plus, and no doubt it will come to Sky and Amazon Prime as well, uh, like Mulan did. As for that date, I do not know, but if you've got Disney Plus, Soul is, is a good film to watch. It's got Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Richard Aodi, and Angela Bassett in it. Yeah, and this is about a musician who's lost his passion for music and is transported out of his body and must find his way back with the help of an infant soul learning about herself. I've deliberately, and I'm not going to actually watch a trailer or anything, the only thing I have heard, which is not surprising knowing what Pixar often do, especially with like Inside Out, for example, Mm. that this seems to be a film that's kind of works for kids and works for adults in so much as it's playing with some quite interesting, quite deep subject. But, you know, my kids saw it. As I think I said to you, didn't I? My 11-year-old son's (laughs) review was... It was sick. Yeah. Um, so obviously that that's a good good rating. Yeah. Um, they all said they loved it. So yeah, no, I'm I'm really looking forward to watching it. I have watched it. I'm going to watch it again this time with my children because I watched it um, with my husband uh, the first time around. Be interesting to see what their perspective is on it. So uh, so yeah, so that's one to watch for this week. And we're trying to give you a new film each week uh, going forward. That they're most likely going to be either on Netflix or Disney Plus or. Amazon or I don't know maybe occasionally on iPlayer I don't know yeah lovely well good start to 2021 (sighs) I know I I wrote 2021 down the date in my notebook earlier today it just seemed very odd writing that year down every every year I get that weird like oh that's a bit strange (laughs) but yeah no I think we're off to a good start tens already I know and uh yeah, we didn't review our um, films from last year, but maybe we'll do that along along the way. Yeah, or maybe we can wait until we hit a big number and kind of look back. Oh, what number are we at at the moment? We're at 34. Well, we're at 34. We're at 30. This is this is number 34. Wow. So maybe we could leave it to 50. I mean, I don't Let's know. Let's do that. Should Let's we do, do that? that? Because yeah. then, actually, then we can just look back at the 10s, can't we? Because I we think can. by the time we get we to can. 50, I'm, I'd like to think there might be the odd... A few more, few more tens in there. But I was, yeah, it was an awesome week. I think this is what's going to happen with my tens. I think it doesn't take me long to think this is a ten. I remember when I was watching Harry Met Sally. It's the same with Big. I think I was about an hour mm. into. I thought, oh my god, 
this is going to be a 10. This really is going to be a 10. It's, it's really that good. I, I can't quite believe it. And then it that's is. it. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Loved watching it again. I hadn't seen it for quite a while, actually. Um, yeah. I think it's probably the third time I've watched it, but it was uh, it was a good film. Anyway, Happy New Year to our listeners. Yeah. Keep listening. Yeah. We're going to continue through lockdown and continue on until we run out of films, I guess, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take quite a while, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, have a really, have a really good week, and yeah, see you next time. Bye. Bye.